0: Welcome to episode 112 of the Jackson Hole Connection. This episode's sponsor is Prue Real Estate. Should you have any questions about real estate in Jackson Hole, give Dan Vazoski or Greg Prue a call or visit prue.com, that's P-R-U-G-H.com to search current listings. Hello from Jackson Hole, I'm Stephan Abrams, your host and guide today. Each week I sit with someone connected to Jackson Hole to share their fascinating story about life. I feel we have so much to learn from each other and I intend to search out people and their stories which will teach us all a little about life outside of our everyday circle. Today's guest is Andrew Munns. Andrew's a local artist and recently published author of I Can Ski Forever. Andrew knows Jackson Hole as the only place to call home. Growing up here in Jackson Hole, Andrew never saw the glorification which many people place on this community. What he saw was just his little town. Throughout Andrew's life, he's been on many journeys, some of which he'll take us through today. During my interview with Andrew, I learned about a person who's brave and adventurous, and someone who will have many more exciting adventures as he travels down the path of life. Andrew, thank you for joining me here at the Jackson Hole Connection. Great to meet you and see you today. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. You betcha. You've had a busy pandemic, I believe. And um, I look forward to hearing about what has kept you busy. (laughs) But let's start off with what is your connection to Jackson Hole? Let's share that with everybody.
1: Jackson Hole is the only place I've ever called home. I grew up here. Um, my family moved here when I was seven years old from upstate New York. That's where I was born. And yeah, I'm a first generation American in a family of Austrian immigrants. And my parents knew the Stieglers and we came out here and yeah, I started second grade. And I have had that connection to Jackson ever since. I've kind of bounced away and come back again. the The boomerang effect is... We lovingly call it, mm-hmm. um, but currently I'm here.
0: <laughs> and, and physically, because we are sitting across the table yes. from each other, I think about six feet apart. We're, we're doing good. Yeah, we're doing all right. What was it like growing up for you here? Because I've interviewed some people who are like my grandparents' age and have grown up here, and mm-hmm. so I would say you and I are closer in age. What was it like for you growing up here in Jackson?
1: For me, Jackson Hole was just a town. I never saw the kind of Jackson obsession or the, 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 the glorification until after high school. I think that when you grow up just within your hometown, I, like I don't think any of us really understood, any of us students or kids really understood the, the value that people put on Jackson, that, that people from the outside put on Jackson because when you're a kid, when you like, you're just a family. You know, the Jackson that you know is like the grocery store, occasionally a restaurant, you know, movie theater. We would go hiking, we would go skiing or whatever. Um, but it wasn't for us, at least for my family, it wasn't like this lifestyle. It wasn't this thing that you know. I wasn't like thrown into like skiing, snowboard club. I wasn't. You know, I we were just kind of. I was an average student, and you know, went through the motions. And it wasn't until after I graduated and that I started leaving Jackson and people would ask me where I was from and I would say Wyoming and they say where in Wyoming and I said Jackson they're like oh my gosh Jackson Hole and I'd be like yeah why (laughs) and uh and that was like the first real hint that that where I was from was actually this this strange beacon of opportunity and, and like outdoor adventure and you know beauty and and you know majesty and and yet for me I was just you know I grew up on Flat Creek and Josie's ridge was my backyard and i played with action figures up there and like <laughs> i just i didn't really get it you know uh-huh. i didn't
0: get it until much later cool did anybody ever say to you where's wyoming
1: yes yeah what's great um so i i'm sure we'll talk about this but i spend a lot of time in iceland and when i tell icelanders that i'm from wyoming they go "Yeah, miami i've been there <laughs> They just they they just hear Miami in their mind because they've never heard the word Wyoming. Okay, and and yeah, Wyoming is just like even when I was in Chicago, I lived in Chicago for a bit. People didn't really know where Wyoming was. That's kind of one of those square states, right? Mm -hmm. You know,
0: literally and figuratively.
1: Indeed. Yeah. (laughs) No doubt. I love the state, but it's kind of
0: squarish at times, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, which I think everybody contributes to that in, in their own way. So, you spent some time
1: in Iceland. I what, did. What yeah. took you to Iceland? Initially it was curiosity. I was I was living in Chicago. This was um I was about 24 or 25 and spent a couple of years in Chicago and the city really was grating on me. I mean, having grown up in Jackson and then like plucking myself out of the West and dropping myself into, you know, metropolis was pretty jarring and it had a deep impact on me. I got very sad when I was there. And Iceland was an option um, in terms of, you know, a th- this vacation that I was going to, to go on. I had a great job in Chicago and I had paid vacation time that I was gonna use. And I had a bit of money and I said, well, you know what, let's, let's try to narrow down a short list of like really cool places that I wanna go. And it ended up coming down to Paris and Iceland. I went from like you know th- I had this idea that I was either gonna you know spend a couple weeks like writing in cafes, um, <laughs> or I was gonna strap on a backpack and just like start hiking around a, a you know this island in the Atlantic, and I decided on the adventure. And so I went alone. I made no plans. I knew where I was staying the first two nights and the rest was up in the air. And it was a journey that completely changed my life, changed my perspective. And I ended up going back seven more times in the following seven years. And most recently this year, and I just got back a few weeks ago. <laughs> oh, really? You just recently traveled? Yeah.
0: Okay. That's that's fascinating. And... It almost sounds like the people that came out here originally. Very much. They just kind of went for it. Yeah. So you definitely have that spirit in, with inside of you. Absolutely. That's good for you, man. Thanks. <laughs> good for you. When I moved out here, I had never seen it. My brother was living out here. Oh, yeah? And people were like, where are you going? I said, I don't know. Here's the postcard that my brother sent me. I'm no, going for it.
1: My, uh, my dad and my mom came out here before we decided to move. And uh, my sister and I were still back in upstate New York and we got a phone call from our, our parents and they said, all right guys, like we're gonna do it. We're gonna move to Wyoming. And my sister Heidi and I were like, yeah, woo, awesome. What the heck is Wyoming? And so we pulled out Volume W of the Encyclopedia Britannica, mm-hmm. and there was a little black and white thumbnail photograph of a buffalo. Mm-hmm. And we were both like, what is that? <laughs> and, uh, and that was our first kind of like idea. And then we packed up a U-Haul and a Ford Bronco, and we drove out here.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. There's another side or part of you that is really important. Mm-hmm. And I think to share with everybody. Yeah. And that is you being gay mm-hmm. and growing up here in such a small community in, in Wyoming yeah. of all places. Um, can you share with us a little bit of, about what that was like? Yeah. I started
1: to understand a bit about my own sexuality and what made me different when I was about 10 or 11, I would say it was when... I was first starting to realize that these, you know, the, the words that the bullies would hurl my way might actually have some truth. And that was a big deal for me to understand what it meant to be gay. And, and this idea that, you know, having a an attraction to, you know, I mean, I say boys when I was that age, but obviously men now, but... You know, having this attraction to the same sex was, uh, was nothing, you know, chosen or taught or anything. It was, it, it was something that it was a realization that I came to. And right when that happened, Matthew Shepard was murdered in Laramie. And that was in 1998. And, you know, he died October 12th. Um, I was 11 years old when that happened. And so right when I was starting to realize who I was and and what maybe I was, I also simultaneously learned that you could be killed for it. Mm -hmm. And that was a big psychological breakdown for me. And so from then on out, it was deny, deny, deny. Um, You know, I was so afraid and I you know, had like the crushes on the girls because you were supposed to, and everybody was always asking me, who do you have a crush on? Who's gonna be your girlfriend, you know? And I would decide on someone. (laughs) And and that kind of went on through high school. And I remember like hearing even high school friends of mine like whisper to each other, be like, I've never seen Muns with a girl. Like, oh my God, like I wonder. And it was so scary. And so I didn't come out until I was 21. Um, it was, you know, after high school, I I kept the lie up, you know, whether or not it was convincing, I didn't, didn't matter, I, I lied. And, but it came to a point where I decided that, you know, this was, it was too much for me, it was, it was too much to carry it too much of a burden. And as I started defining myself, and kind of growing into somebody who, you know, was resembling someone who was beyond this kind of child that I was growing from into a man that I was becoming, I'd made the decision and I came out to my mom um, and a few friends. And I, even then though, even then after coming out, I wasn't, you know, I always said that I just happened to be gay. That, you know, it was, if I could change it, I would, because who would want to who would want to be ridiculed, who would want to live that life if it was a choice. And I, I guess it's been, you know, ever since this is, I guess, so 12 years ago, it's been a 12 year journey of, of me kind of coming to terms with that sexuality after openly admitting it. And yeah, that's, I mean, that journey is, is a, is a story in itself.
0: That need to be a different show. You would. Yeah. Your own show. <laughs> yeah well thank you for for opening up and and, and sharing that of course sharing your your brave how brave you are um, thank you because i I can't relate to it but i'm mm-hmm. I'm sure that was uh, had a lot of fear to it and proud of you for for living the life of who you are, not who it just happened to be but right you've you are now. Happy to share with people you're comfortable with sharing with people who you Mm -hmm. are. And I I hope more people can get there as well.
1: Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I think the best we can do is, you know, try to inspire and try to deliver that message. I was lucky enough in 2019 to speak to the Jacksonville High School graduates. Mm -hmm. I was the commencement speaker at graduation. And I... I kind of talked about that story and I I kind of exposed my truth and, and really tried to talk to these kids about, you know, what it means to define yourself when the world is trying to define you for you. And that night I, I was hosting the lgbtq pride party at the pink garter and there was a girl who came up to me that night um, whose sister had graduated and she had seen my speech and uh, she told me that after her family got into the car they had a great discussion about what i had talked about and then she told me that she came out her family that night and and thanked me for that and when i heard that i broke down because you know that's that's what you want you want to be able to to create that environment and and help educate a community and help you know inspire people who feel downtrodden and you know feeling a bit helpless that they have nowhere to turn so to to amplify voices like myself or or others um so that they can reach a bigger audience and reach you know kids who maybe feel like there is nobody to talk to that is that's a goal and i i feel grateful that i was able to be part of something like that
0: i'm I don't know what that feels like but wow um, when you said that about how the young lady mm-hmm. came out to her family I mm-hmm. got the, I, I got goosebumps yeah when you said that and
1: it was uh, such a great moment it was uh Abba was singing <laughs> the winner takes it all and like and it was like on the dance floor and she like came up to me and talked to me I was like oh. it was the perfect ending of the night it was
0: so great when I lived in Arizona I was working at a at a restaurant as a supervisor and I was looking for a new place to live. And one of the guys who was working there said, well, my boyfriend and I have a place and we are looking for a roommate. It'll help us pay for our pool. And man, I just went back and forth. And and I grew up in the South where it's, you know, there's opinions down there. And I called my mom. She's like, well, how do you feel about it? I was like, well, I I just need a place to live and I really don't care. And so I moved in with these two guys and it was funny. Uh, They were a couple for quite a few years and, they um, One of them would come home and say, gosh, you got to love it. Two homosexuals coming home to a heterosexual, cooking them dinner. Nothing better. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and those guys were fabulous. And I'm sorry that we lost touch. But one of them just kind of, the, the weird thing was um, one night, one of them left the other partner. Mm. And he received a Dear John letter, essentially. Oh, no. And I didn't know how to respond. I did not have that maturity inside of me to know how to comfort my friend. So I wish I had been more mature and comfortable with myself as well yeah. to to have comforted him in that time of need. Yeah. But you're very brave, and, and I'm glad that people know that they don't have to go through what you did alone. And And I think you coming out and each person that comes out publicly— shows that it's, you don't have to be alone. Mm-hmm. There's always somebody for, for each person out there. Yeah. Yeah. But let's move to something a little bit happier, if we can. Sure. Yeah. You just wrote a book.
1: I did. Published my first
0: book. You published your first book. And when we were talking, when you arrived, I said that, congratulations. And that's as many books as there are published. You're still one of the few people because there's not a lot of people who publish books, even though there's a lot of books out there. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Share with us the title of your book.
1: I Can Ski Forever. And uh, this is a collection of four theatrical scripts of four shows that took place here in Jackson from 2014 to 2019, Um, all of which were titled some kind of... uh, offshoot of i can ski forever and those plays were a kind of fun romp through jackson's idiosyncrasies uh making fun of the ski bros the fundraising (laughs) cougars uh the people who live in their vans the you know the um the immigrant workers uh and what they have to deal with there's there's songs, there's monologues, um, a lot of really quippy dialogue and silly jokes, and it's it kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit on the Jackson Hole that so many of us know, but so few people from the outside really get a chance to see. You know, it's certainly it's certainly Jackson from a local's perspective, and <laughs> I think I think it's going to be really fun, and I'd be so interested to see or to talk to somebody who's who only knows Jackson through like maybe a few Instagram posts and, you know, some kind of online marketing and they come to Jackson and they, you know, either they stay at Amangani and they like go up to the parks or do whatever they like and randomly they pick up this book. I would love to hear what they think because uh, it's it's fun and my, my sense of, of humor and my comedy certainly takes, you know, sinks its teeth into things but I don't draw blood. I just, uh, I like kind of a little bit of shock value. And as long as it all is rooted in truth, which this book is, so I'm very proud of it. It's really cool.
0: You should be proud of it. And what do you want to accomplish from, from the book? Uh, the book itself is a,
1: uh, is a thank you to the Jackson community. It, you know, these shows were total grassroots, <laughs> like kind of backed together, with a group of really incredible actors some of whom weren't even actors to start and we all had this kind of collective desire to to create this show and 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 do something fun on stage for everyone and poke fun at ourselves and the the book is a way of commemorating that kind those kind of four shows because ultimately you can always make fun of jackson there's you know give it another year and we'll have material for another four shows. (laughs) Um, And so there's no, there's no limit to, you know, what, what we can kind of poke fun at and make light of uh, despite all of the issues that we run into in this town, whether it's housing, whether it's, you know, wildlife uh, on like getting hit by cars on the road. I mean, there's, there's so much that we would love to fix because I think every single person here wants Jackson to be as perfect as they they see it and if it's not they get frustrated and they get they want it to be more perfect and they want to get rid of people who maybe not don't see it as perfect as they do so there's so to be able to put this book out there there's there's just no other book that talks about modern-day Jackson Hole other than most recently a uh, billionaire wilderness by Justin Farrell which is um, uh, how I describe it in in this book is uh, it's I can ski forever with the fun sucked out of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what's yeah? What's great about this book? It's like it's it's easily flipped through. I mean there's all these beautiful illustrations by, um, an artist in town named Ryan D who also helped with the design. Um, sharp idea did the design and Katie Ann Fox, um, famed artist in her own right, uh, did the cover artwork, which I think is beautiful. So
0: it, it fantastic cover artwork there. Um, yes. Congratulations on doing that. And I, I look forward to, uh, picking up a copy and, and reading it. Is it written as a script of the plays? It is. Okay. Yes.
1: So it's it's the scripts as we perform them. Uh-huh. And um all of the songs are in there, all of the scenes, we have the cast list, so I'm sure there's gonna be some uh, some of my casts who are gonna be frantically searching for their own name to make sure that it was spelled right, which one person is not spelled right and he knows it and I'm so sorry. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, oh gosh, like this, this was a huge project this summer. So, you know, talk about being busy during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that's a big chunk of what I was doing this year. Congratulations. Thank you.
0: Um, we're going to take a quick break to have a word from one of those sponsors and we're going to be right back. When you're thinking about making a real estate decision, it's important to go with someone you can trust. Recently, I trusted Dan Vazosky at Prue Real Estate to personally handle a real estate transaction. The service and intention I received demonstrated I am important. Greg Prue started Prue Real Estate in 2002 with you, the customer, in mind. Give Greg or Dan a call at 307-733-9888 or visit prue.com. That's p-r-u-g-h.com. To connect today, let them know you heard about them from Stefan, the podcast guy. Andy, welcome back. We're just talking about your book, I Can Ski Forever, and then what's the byline on it? A modern-day Jackson Hole epic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Do you think you could write um, Housewives of Jackson Hole? Absolutely. All right. I be- feel like I have. I mean, th- there are
1: three. Initially, there were three cougar characters. Um Uh, only three (laughs) yes so there was there was (laughs) teresa trish and tammy all right and they were the og cougars in these shows um and then when we did i can ski four ever the fourth installment um that was just this past may in in 2019 um i added five more cougars um and uh also in the we had a musical in the third edition that also had a bunch of cougars i mean there's There's like, (laughs) these characters for me are so fun because they are, they're so exaggerated. They're so cartoonish. And yet we all kind of identify, we all know who we're talking about, you know, and as with most of the show, I mean, I always say that you can't write satire unless you really love your subject. And having worked in The nonprofit sphere. I mean, I was the box office manager at the Center for the Arts for many years. I worked at the Art Association. I've been involved with Off Square Theater Company and Dancers Workshop and Riot Act Inc. And you know, all of these nonprofits. I I, like. I know who these you know these women are. And and so, like the Cougars that appear in I Can Ski Forever are not based on anybody in particular. But what I do is I just kind of make these big generalizations and people kind of find themselves within that. So I think a a Real Housewives of Jackson Hole would be a really great, you know, great thing to make. They're doing they're doing like a real actual like show, uh, I guess, a season for Salt Lake City. Okay. they're doing like a Real Housewives of Salt Lake. So I'm sure we're going to see a little bit of that, you know, the kind of Western influence and they fly
0: up here on the yes. private jet from uh, from Salt Lake to Jackson.
1: No doubt. <laughs> I'm sure, though, they're going to show up.
0: Did you ever see the parody on, on Silicon Valley? Have you ever seen that show? I haven't. Somebody showed me a clip of it. It was actually Jonathan Schechter had it in an email that he sent out about Jackson whole Economy. And here's these two Silicon Valley um, executives on the tarmac, and they are talking about Oh, where are you going? Well, I'm going to J Hole. I'm gonna go for a hike, or I'm going for a hike, and so they're both going, at the same time for the same amount of time. And he's like, you know what? I'd love to play you in chess. And he's like, my handle is so and so, so and so. Oh, funny. They on still, the plane? Or? Well, they still were taking their own planes. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> to Jackson Hole for like a day, and yeah, that's that's what happens nowadays.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Oh, boy. I know when I flew in, I was able to, to escape to Iceland for about three months this summer. And uh, when I flew back, like, my, you know, Delta plane landed and uh, in Jackson, and we were just, like, taxiing to the gate, and I was just counting 22 private jets mm-hmm. that are just hanging out there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, who are these people, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's been really interesting, you know, being somebody who, again, is, who's like a homegrown local who's watched Jackson change in real time. And you run into people and, you know, you always have the conversation, they, you know, they ask you, like, where are you from? And I'm like, I grew up here. And, uh, and then immediately, it's like, Oh, my God, what was that like? Um, And I always default back to that kind of boring answer, like, no, oh, it was a town, we had a library. <laughs> like, you know, it was just kind of life. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything to compare it to. We had a
0: place to go, we get pizza. Exactly, was the exactly. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, it wasn't like I grew up, you know, at the base of Splash Mountain or something, <laughs> and, like, you know, all I know is the Disneyland fantasy.
0: Oh, please don't, yeah, don't get that on our heads.
1: Yeah, so, but it is interesting. I mean, people come here and they they really, you know, they want to be involved, they want to feel... Like they're part of the community, and they um, they are they're kind of obsessed with that with that, you know, no pun intended. Jackson Hole connection, Mm -hmm. right? And um, oh, god, I got it now. Yeah, (laughs) you're welcome. Thank you. You can utilize that and just monetize me using that, me saying Jackson Hole (laughs) connection. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a bizarre little town. So I feel like this book that I've now. Put out there is it kind of captures a bit of that weirdness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that weirdness.
0: I, I think, so I grew up in a small town mm-hmm. in Mississippi and it was probably a, a little less population than what Jackson is. Maybe the whole county was about the same. And upon reflection, I realized that it did and still does have its oddities as well. Oh yeah. And I think that's just be- part of a small town that because you're so connected to everybody, mm-hmm what's happening is right there in your face. Right. Um, But at the same time, you can still be your own person and do your own things, but you hear and experience more of like, really that just happened?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, for Jackson, yes, it's a small town and yes, we have oddities, but like the oddities here are leaving the Flaming Lips concert going to the cowboy and meeting Kanye West. Mm. Like, that's my oddity. That's something that happened to me. And that's just like a weird thing to happen in your hometown, you know? And it's a place that plays host to 2.6 million visitors annually, you know, more this summer. So as I say in the book, it's it's the place that people leave their hometowns for. And (laughs) like, it's, and so when, it's just like kind of strange to to have this this identity and like and have these memories of of such a small town and like you know seeing all this development happen around you and you're like oh I flew a kite in that field but now it's the new Wells Fargo building or you know old Jackson State Bank building or mm-hmm. whatever right all these names keep changing and and people come in into Jackson they like they just get here and they're calling it the new post office and I'm right. like
0: that's but
1: th- th- that's just it's so probably strange. Probably thirty
0: years old at this point. The new post office. It's not thirty years old. No. It was put out and it was there for Clinton's administration. I've been here for twenty years.
1: Because it was it was built when I. Okay. Twenty five. Um, maybe. It,
0: it's been here since I've been here for 20, 21 years. Yeah. So maybe not thirty, but but you're right. That amount of time is the new post office. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um,
1: you know, it's just it's so interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, so. i I want to ask you another question please something else that you were doing during this pandemic um to add some some humor to the world um Mm -hmm. your girl catherine yes and so how did this come about and
1: oh gosh so i (laughs) so i created this cougar character and this is you know certainly she's she exists in the same universe as i can ski forever um, this kind of nightmarish reality of Jackson, and I was working out at the Wilson Book Gallery, uh, which is in the Aspens, and uh, everything was shutting down this spring. Um, we were, we had also shut down to the public, but I was still operating, you know, behind locked doors, and we were doing book deliveries and and kind of curbside pickup for books. And but from my from my window of the store, I would just see these. Kind of cougars walking around looking to see what was open, you know, because they they came, a lot of people obviously came out here to, you know, live out the pandemic in and live out quarantine in their, you know, they wanted to leave New York, leave the cities and be in a place that is a bit more safe. And so they came to Jackson. And I would witness these women just kind of walking around, the, like stopping by Persephone, which was closed uh nest had just opened up on um, a uh, women's kind of bo- boutique um they had just opened up and now they were closed you know wilson book gallery was closed and so i thought it would be fun to create a video kind of pretending what was going on in in their heads and so i i took on the role of a cougar in quarantine named Catherine. and <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be called Your Girl Catherine until... And I just was basically improvising. So I turned on my front-facing camera. I went for a stroll around a very empty uh, w- uh, West Bank Center. And and I just kind of improvised into my phone. And I was like, hi, everyone. It's Your Girl Catherine here. This is my first video. You know, we just got to Jackson. We were the last plane that was able to land. So lucky us. Um, <laughs> just like basically just... Kind of like you know unabashedly making fun of this of this kind of uh, type of person who is coming to Jackson and and it was such a hit people loved it people you know Catherine got over like two thousand followers on Instagram like (laughs) within a couple weeks and um and just the desire to just like keep doing more and more and they're like we need another video we want to see another Catherine video and I was running out of ideas because I wasn't planning on making it a series I was just going to do one video and then it. And then I started putting on the wigs and like kept the sunglasses on and like switched out sunglasses, put on clip on earrings. And the videos just got more, you know, elaborate as it went on. Catherine made her own hand sanitizer. Um, yeah, there was just like lots of really silly things. But but that was your girl, Catherine. And, uh, and I did one more video when I was in Iceland. And then I kind of stopped because I had a lot of other things to do. <laughs>
0: like write a book. Like write a book. Yeah. <laughs> and... It, I, I think it's um, really cool how you were able to say, you know, this is, for me, it's fulfilled what I thought I would get out of it or wanted to get out of it. And you didn't fall to pressures to say, well, other people would need it it? a little bit I did
1: okay. I mean that's what kind of kept it on kept it going and I put out my Venmo and people were tipping me like five dollars you know twenty dollars being like buy Catherine a bottle of wine you know <laughs> and, and they would. And then I would <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, yeah it was just it's it just started becoming this like little you know it was great because I, I was able to you know pay a bill or two with with some of my contributions which was very helpful during the pandemic. So I'm very grateful to the people of Jackson for that. But yeah, ultimately, when you start to kind of run out of ideas um, and you start going radio silent, that's Mm -hmm. when the messages start coming through and people are like, where's Catherine? We want more Catherine. And uh, so maybe she'll come back. There's a very good chance that she will. Um, I don't know what or how yet. She is kind of knocking on the back of my subconscious. (laughs) Kind of being like, pay attention to me. Um, so so it's not, you know, it's not the end of Catherine. We'll see her eventually, but I just don't know when. Hopefully when she does show up, uh, it'll be a surprise for everybody.
0: Well, I love your sense of humor. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish um, more people can um, have such a light sense of humor. Yeah. And just go with the flow um, and and put it out there. Way, way to go, Andy. Thanks. Andrew. Way to go, Andrew. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we've covered a lot today. We have. This This has been awesome. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've gotten to know you on a great way. Cool. Oh, thank in you. In a great way. I appreciate you taking the time. For people who are out there listening, I like to ask my guests, mm-hmm. what's something that you would like to share with them for them to think about as um, we wrap up the interview today? I
1: would love people... So, I, you know, I'm a I'm a local artist, is what they call us or what we call ourselves, I guess. Someone who is, uh, who just happened to grow up in a small town, you know, because someone who's like from New York is not considered, or like they're doing like Broadway, they're not considered a local artist, you know. I find they're, the, you know, they're just, they just are who they are and they like do what they do on, on the stage, like the best stages in the world. And, and, and for me, you know, being a local artist, being in a small town, um, we have to fight so much harder to really kind of make people pay attention and make people realize that what we're doing is is a level of our own professionalism. You know, I think Jackson Hole is a place that is so obsessed with its own image and so obsessed with uh, you know its own ego and, and connections that we tend to value outside voices way more than we do local voices um mm. when it comes to art you know m- people are willing to throw down 65 dollars just because it's at the center for the arts or some some band that comes in but when it comes to like local art and and being like hey i'm charging 25 dollars for i can ski forever people are like really you know shouldn't it be less because mm. you're a local right and uh it's been it's been an interesting journey and i feel like i've both myself and my cast and my collaborators and other local artists in town, local musicians in town, you know, I think there's a big uphill fight for us in a place like Jackson, because the people who are often making decisions for art in this town aren't necessarily artists themselves. They're sitting on boards. They've come in from Cities, they've come in with influence and money and their own network to help make decisions for art in town. And I think, in my experience, those people aren't necessarily as interested in understanding the art that has already been established in this town over the, like, and the, the stuff that we've worked on over the years. Uh, they would much rather bring in a big name because they can afford it or they can, you know, it'll look good, like, oh, we're bringing in, you know, John Prine or, you know, Rest in peace. But for example, Um, so I think what I would love is, um, you know, a message to kind of get out there is for people not to take local art for granted. You know, most of the time we're just struggling because we don't have as much funding as, you know, we don't put up a 50 grand, uh, you know, presenter's fee um, for, for doing what we do. We have to we have to raise money. We have to really fight to make our voices heard and make our art seen and respected. So don't discount local art don't underestimate us um, because we we have the ability to really make a difference and I think um, again as I say in my book, uh, I, you know the only way to really understand a community is to to, to support the art that's being created within it and uh, and I think if we remember that then we might not have as many issues uh, as Uh, as we do now um yeah i think and that's that's a very general i don't know where i was going with that right at the end but i mean ultimately i just want to say support local art and uh help us out
0: well said well said and and i i feel that it's not just local art it's just local people Mm -hmm. support the local business absolutely whether it's a retailer um a masseuse uh, a bookstore Mm -hmm. art as you mentioned um there is value to supporting that because those are the people that help build that community. Right. When people come when you move when someone moves to a new place, you have to be a part of the community. It's not about, well, where I used to live we used we did this. No. Right. I can understand communities change. Everything develops, but you're part of that community, so you gotta embrace it mm-hmm. for sure. Now with your book I Can Ski Forever. Yep. Where is that available?
1: That is available at Valley Bookstore, the Jackson Hole Book Trader, and Wilson Book Gallery. Mm-hmm. It's also over at Skinny Skis and the Healthy Bean Juicery and Pearl Street Bagels, and soon to be at the airport.
0: Nice. Yes. I love it. And um, how can people reach you, Andrew, if they um, want to connect with you? You can contact
1: me on my website, which is andrewmunz.com. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram, at munzofsteel.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Cool. Have, Have a good day, sir. You as well. To learn more about Andrew and I Can Ski Forever, please visit the slash episode number 112. I'm always looking for ratings and reviews and even guests. So if you know of somebody who would be a prime guest for the show, send them my way. Just send in a quick email to connect at the com. Many thanks to everybody who helps this podcast come out each week. And my regular active listeners, Ed Fries, Mike Jorgensen, I appreciate your support. Also, to my wife, Laura, my boys, Lewis and William, my editor and marketing director, Michael Murray, and music provider, Luke Taylor. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.